This is Kevin Van Hensenrick, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And if you lift the lid of the basket, you die. The station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. I'm Treacherous Trista. And Terrible Troy is actually joining us right now in progress, but uh, he's got some problems. But uh, he says it's coming here, so he might be here. But we're joined by the filmmakers and the cast of Hellbender, which I loved and I, I found out Trista liked it too. Uh, we have Zelda Adams. Hello. Hi. Toby Poser. Hello. Hello. And John Adams. Howdy, folks. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you uh, again and meet Zelda for the first time. Nice to meet you all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us back. We loved talking with you last time, and so it's great to be back with you all. Very cool. And uh, so for people who aren't aware yet, could you give them an idea of what Hellbender is about? Sure. Hellbender is about a lonely teen who discovers... Um, that her family has ties to the occult. And that, now you're all credited as writers and directors. So like, uh, how did that, how did that work out? You making the movie like that? It's fun as hell. Yeah. <laughs> we got our That's system down point. now. You know, we, uh, we, we, we really know what each, what each other's strengths are and, uh, we believe in each other. And I think our modus operandi, is that the word? Mode of, oper- mode of operation is pretty smooth now. Like we, uh, we, we can count on each other and, uh, you know, Toby's a great writer. Zell is a great cinematographer. I'm good at hustling, getting things together. 
and we know how to kind of move things forward now. And it's a lot of fun. I think we all really enjoy each other's company on set. Yeah, we, we've been making films together ever since I was six. So we've collectively been doing it together for 11 years. So we've all grown as filmmakers together, which has been really fun and exciting. Were you uh, both making films uh, before that, before Zelda was six and started with you? Or kind of was it all all three of you together start? Yeah, the four of us, our older girl, Lulu, um, uh, Zelda was six, Lulu was 11. And in 2010, we took off and we uh, and hit the road for a year in an old RV and we made our first film. And we made four dramas before we kind of stepped into the horror genre. Were you always horror fans? Were you always the goal that uh, we want to eventually make horror movies? You know, I don't know that our goal was to make horror movies when we first started out. I, you know, I know I loved horror. Um, and, uh, but I think what we realized was how wonderful the horror community is. Like once we started to get a taste for horror and Zelda and I did a little movie called The Hatred as kind of a test run for horror once we saw how welcoming the horror community was, we realized, well, this is a great way to be creative and to have fun. Yeah, I don't think that we'll ever go back to dramas or anything else. <laughs> horror, we just have the bug for it. And you have so much um, artistic freedom. You can do like almost whatever you want with horror. You can make up your own rules, your own realms. It's really fun. This yeah. is kind of a hint at the film um, itself, but if horror is a worm... Then um, for us, we ate the worm and it was like, <laughs> now you got to see the film to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, you said, you know, you've been making these done it this way where like, uh, you know, you're all credit as writers. Like, how, how does that process work? We all uh, uh, contribute ideas. And some of us have just, you know, certain strengths more than others. Uh, like I love to write and um, Zelda's really good visually. And John is great. At, he's good at everything too, but he's really great at soundtrack. So we'll kind of come up with ideas and then we just kind of riff on that. And maybe I'll put something down on paper, but it's usually just a jumping off point. We just get rolling and off. And if we don't nail it the first time around, we'll learn more. It's more like a rehearsal. And then we realize, oh, let's go back and we'll really nail it this time. Yeah. And a lot of times people wonder what happens if we have opposing point of views. And whenever that does happen or like um, we just end up shooting it three different ways if we have a disagreement over how something should go. And then in the editing process, we find out which way works best. The editing never lies. And I'll add that from the top, like we come up with, we're always pitching each other story ideas. So like even while the DPU Dig was doing the festival circuit and, and um, we were kind of out traveling to festivals and stuff like that, we were already pitching each other ideas, talking about different story ideas. So there's a lot of like, there's a big boiling down process until finally we all agree, like, this is a really solid idea. And that's what happened with Hellbender. Uh, is that you playing the, the music in Hellbender? Yes, that's our band Hellbender. But oh, it is. Oh, these are spelled with uh, sixes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I noticed that it, it is a couple times in the movie, which I thought was nice. Yeah, we have, um, well, what do you, you want to say anything about the band? We, yeah, we've been making music, you know, pretty much all our, all our life. Like, 
Um, and we've always had different bands with different names. And in the past two years, our band has been called Hellbender because we just love that word. And then we were like, well, let's make a movie with the title Hellbender. So it's kind of funny because this movie was strictly made because we wanted to make a movie with the title Hellbender. <laughs> and also, uh, originally, Zelda was... Zella always played drums. So when she was five, she started playing drums and her and I had a, 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 a duo together and it was like a hard rock band and she played drums and it was really fun. We played a, a bunch of live shows. And as she grew up though, she really became interested in singing. And that, that's why the band went from being called Kid California to Hellbender. Cause once Zelda started singing, it became really a new band with a new sound. And then Toby also started to be like, I want to sing too. <laughs> and so we got Toby in there and Toby's voice is amazing. So the two of them, and then our older daughter, Lulu, they just sound really terrific together. Their voices are super eerie. Can you listen to Hellbender online anywhere? Like, uh... Yeah, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube Music. So, and we even have some music videos released and we definitely want to release the soundtrack from hellbender as well but yeah you can find us on uh streaming. we look up the when we look up the band we put the sixes in yes yeah. all right and i'll link some up on the website too oh thank right. you cool. thank you very much that's cool i'm, I'm honestly interested in checking it out thank well you. our first it's you know this refers to your question our first video uh what's it called black sky right yeah black sky, black sky basically we were in California. We shot this video to a song and it's, and it very much is a summary of the movie Hellbender. And it was a great blueprint for what we were about to do over the next two years. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? I'm wondering what kind of research into witchcraft you did for the film. Yeah. I loved reading about Lilith and Eve and, uh, you know, creation stories. And there was a lot of talk about how Adam like comes from the word Adama, maybe in Hebrew, and it means red clay. And so we're thinking of how, um, you know, originally people thought that um, man was sort of coagulated menstrual blood. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And then that led to things like, well, who would eat that? Who would eat babies? You know, this is the, the train of thought. And it led to something called Lamia, a, a serpent goddess from Libya called Lamia. And then that led to the whole um, idea of the Ouroboros and cyclical nature and things consuming other things. And that especially was really kind of hit. We hit gold with the Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. And we thought, well, these hellbenders, what if we come up with our own mythology, our, our own um, entities, and that there'll be something very powerful, female in form, but desexualized. We kind of took men out of the picture, not because we don't like men, because I love one. <laughs> but um uh i mean i i love that but uh we just wanted to take them out of the picture and, and talk about this matrilineal um you know line of really powerful unforgiving creatures called hellbenders yeah and it's um i always think if uh, if a movie or story if they if they take some stuff from from like real mythology or real life it adds some type of realism to the to the story, so you can tell like there is like an old, you know, a presence there in the movie. But then you add your own mythology, and it's very interesting. It was fun. 
Who made out of the crown? The crown reminded me of like a dark version of the crown from uh, where the wild things are. Oh my God. That's so cool. That what a great reference. And I never even thought about that. Um, John made it. Yeah. I made the crown and I made it early in the uh, process. It was more of a, let's see whether this works. It wasn't like we weren't sold on it and it, it came out really fun. It was basically just, I cut cardboard and then I melted wax all over it. And it took like a night of sitting around having a ton of fun. And then Toby looked at it in the morning. She was like, that's pretty badass. <laughs> and it was really fun to do. And wow, what a cool reference because where the wild things are was my favorite book as a kid. I made my mom read it to me every single night. So probably that is where it came just been Right in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you still have the crown, I assume? Absolutely. It was funny. <laughs> the, I came home from school and I saw it like lie, lying on our dining table. And I was like, what is this? Threw <laughs> some things on our dining table. There's a lot of crazy things around our house. <laughs> a lot of gruesome items. Yeah. I approve. That's something. <laughs> Neil oh, approved. Exactly. By the way, Terrible yeah. Troy is here with us. He had some problems uh, logging on. How's everybody doing? We're doing hey. great. It's nice to see That's you what tonight. I like to hear. So uh, last time we had you on, um, it was for uh, Deeper You Dig. And at the time you guys were traveling around, were you filming this yet or were you thinking about filming it? Yeah. We, this was a pandemic film. Uh we, I was all online for school, so I had a lot of free time. And uh, so we decided to buy a truck and a trailer and hit the road. So we started traveling around the United States of America and just filming across these beautiful states. So a lot of that landscape that you're seeing, especially in the dream sequences, is the wonders of America, like in Sedona, Arizona and Wyoming and a lot of the like uh, forest scenes, like the rainforests, are the Pacific Northwest, actually. Oh. And, you know, it's just us. We're the ones starring in the film. We're the ones, you know, directing it. So we could social distance. We didn't have to get close right. to anyone. Yep, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, how about getting like uh, the deer? Uh, did you just ha- did it just happen to be there? Or? Yep. We were on the way to go shoot a forest scene. And we come across this huge carcass and we're like, Oh my God. Thank you, nature. Thank you, nature for bringing us this gift. (laughs) And we decided that we had to shoot an entire scene revolving around this deer carcass. And that just goes to show how much, you know, nature has a huge play in our movie making. Like nature is its own character. And we do a lot of improvisation uh, with nature. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yeah. In this case, nature really threw us a bone. <laughs> <laughs> I also proved the bone. <laughs> uh, how about the bee in the window? Because I was like, is that, would that was that just like a happy accident? There happened to be a bee in the in the in the windowsill. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, that was so fun because to me, that's the symbol of the movie again, it, it, which is this stinging wasp stuck between two worlds and yeah yeah, we were filming um we were in the house and we could hear and toby's like hey john come here and i walk in and there's this wasp stuck between two windows and she was like film this and i'll look at it and it's a great symbol for basically this entire movie and 
I'm really glad that you've, you're the first person to bring it up. Oh, really? And for me, I loved that little scene. It yeah, worked just so well. And I love the sound of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, near the woods myself, so I have a lot of bees and wasps and stuff, so I'm familiar with it. But I did think, like, I put in my notes because I was like, uh, I assume they didn't find a bee and put it in the windowsill. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just another nature just showing us something beautiful. And luckily, we have, you know, our camera with us most of the time. We grabbed it. Yeah. I uh, trusted you another question. So you mentioned that this was a pandemic project. I'm wondering if COVID uh, stalled your post process at all. No, it uh, it really didn't have an effect for us. In fact, it made it uh, pretty easy to to just get rocking. I mean, since the three of us can always shoot together, we did. And and with our older girl who was living in the Pacific Northwest, we got to shoot with her. We um, which which was with. A sort of social distance thing like we um, because she worked with kids this was pre-vaccination um, and then by the time we got home we were uh, we were just ready to finish the film and it just if anything not to belittle COVID for people but the, the horrors of it but it, for us it was it was um, a great opportunity yeah, and we edit while we go. So when we shoot something, we take it home that night and we edit it. Because a lot of the time, like Zelda said, if we're in the Pacific Northwest and we're traveling in a trailer, we're not going to be near these particular woods more than five days. So we shoot in the woods. We go home. We look at it. If it's good, cool. If it's not, we got to go back the next day and, and shoot. So um, like when we when we finally got back to upstate New York, we had basically edited the film. We had maybe just a couple scenes to sh to shoot and edit left. So post production was not much. Yeah, this this film was edited on a tiny MacBook Pro. A lot of the time where Toby was making some tacos and John was <laughs> controlling the tiny computer, and I was over his shoulder like, "Oh yeah, that's good, that's good." I love it. Yeah, and um. You said, you know, you made it during COVID and uh, there's kind of a topical, you know, thing in the movie where it's like you don't want uh, to be a, she, your, your mother doesn't want you to be around people um, because you're sick. And then, you know, it, it expands to even still kind of a COVID movie where she doesn't want you around people because it's dangerous. You're dangerous. Yeah. It's kind of the two, it's kind of the, like, that's the, the right, the both sides of the COVID coin. Mm -hmm. And it starts out on one side of the COVID coin. And by the end of the movie, it's completely flipped. Yeah. And we, we talked about COVID, uh, but, and obviously we shot it during COVID, but we didn't want to make like a COVID movie. Right. But, but of course, all of us with podcasts and all of our lives are so affected by COVID. There's no way it's not going to leak into our art. And we do make comments. Like one of the funniest lines of all is... Um, Izzy says to Amber, that bubbly girl that she meets, she says, I can't get close to people. And Amber says, oh, none of us can. And, <laughs> and so it's our little joke to COVID. And it's also, you know, you know, there was just no way around it. But we didn't, we definitely wanted to avoid just making a COVID movie. Because at times we talked about that. And Toby was adamant on being like, you don't want to make a COVID movie because you, because like that it'll just set you in a certain time like if you do that it really dates the movie yes thank you that's the better word for it mm -hmm. it's better plus, uh, i think the idea with a genre any kind of genre story is 
you could put a lot of that stuff in the move in the story. And if people see it, you know, it adds to, and if they don't, it doesn't, you know, take away from it. Bingo. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to take your, your answer. I'm sorry. You said it better than I could. <laughs> I like the ACDC shirt, by the way. And do you have, uh, is that a, uh, who are some of your influences musically? Oh my God. We have so many. I, we're actually making a song right now with a lot of in, influence from ACDC, but I, I think that, um, who would you say some of our biggest influences are? Well, she turned us on to, we listened a lot to, um, Courtney Barnett is a huge influence. We love her. Um, uh, but then we also like love um, System of a Down and, you know, Black Sabbath. It depends on our mood and what we're trying to like be inspired by. Yeah. And I grew up on 80s hardcore. So like and I love the, you know, the DIY ethic of 80s hardcore, like Black Flag and Circle Jerks and Bad Brains. And so I think Bad like, Brains. Nice. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> back in the day. I love Bad Brains. But um I think what's fun about having, you know, hanging out with your 17-year-old now is that they're, she's constantly bringing music that I think is kind of like wonderful, you know, like, and it's differently produced and it's coming from a different headspace. And she luckily has an open mind that she's into when I flip her bad brain song, you know, yeah. and, and yep. it's like, all right, you know, so it definitely comes across in our soundtrack and in our band. Yeah. Well, it's good because usually people, once you get once you get a certain age, any music that comes, you know, after you just like, oh, that's not, you know, good. I only listen to what I grew up with. So I'm glad that you're giving stuff a chance. I love me. I might be, you know, guilty of sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to look this person up. Who was the name? I'm sorry. Courtney. Uh... Courtney Barnett. All right. I will look her up. lyrics are so ironic and so funny. And her delivery is if she just doesn't even want to be there. And it's genius. She sings about the most mundane things, but her songs are just exquisite. They really are. Yeah. Mm. Uh, to go back about um, not to stick on the COVID thing, but the idea of you said the two different sides of the COVID take. And for your character, Zelda, you really have a, a big art from how you play your character at the beginning to how you are at the end. And what's that like to play that arc in kind of the middle of the arc? Because uh, I always think that would be the hardest part, you know, you because do, you don't want to just play it from A and then to B. You have to play it in the middle, too, if that makes sense. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Well, we we shot this movie in chronological order. So it was funny, like starting out in the beginning, you would tell myself, you know, you're just an innocent, you know, girl. You don't know anything about, you know, like your true identity. But in the middle, it would be like, all right, you're coming to terms a bit more with who you are as a hellbender. Um, and then by the end of the movie, it was like, okay, you're full force, you're full swing right now, you're extremely powerful. So it was really important to remind myself, especially like in the middle, ah, just, let's just put a in a little bit of spice right here, like not too much. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a great question, a great character question. And I think Zelda is probably the closest to the girl in the middle. Because okay. she's not, you know, like that really innocent person. And she's obviously not a hellbender. Yeah. But she is that girl in the middle who's pretty strong and and ready to take on life. Yeah, I, I it was definitely most fun in the middle of the movie because I think that's when my character got to be curious about what is to come and 
what else is offered to her in society. So it was really fun in that part of the movie. You guys both uh, kind of answered this already, but what was it like to play, uh, to be in a movie with, you know, mother and daughter, you know, in, to interact with each other on screen? It's fun. I mean, I just, beside the fact that I love being Zelda's mom um, and I learned so much from her, I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it really is true. I mean, I, I love working opposite her um, acting wise because she's just so natural. I mean, she gives so much. So it's kind of a, a privilege, not only that I really am her mom, but actually, I mean, when we're in the moment of a scene, I'm like, oh my God, this kid this this person is just giving me so much to work with. So I, I it's sometimes I find like I have to snap out of the fact that I'm co-directing and acting and the mother is like, wait, who am I? Because I'm I'm so enamored of, of who she is, but I also like really respect what she's what she's doing on camera. Thank you. It it really is such a like it's so nice getting to act alongside Toby. And I know it's cheesy to say, but like just getting to play mother and daughter on screen makes us even like closer together off screen. Like it's a really fun bonding experience. It's also really convenient because when you're like, Hey, do you want some tea? Can I make you lunch? Now we got to shoot in five minutes or the opposite. You're done shooting. You got blood all over. It's like, should we eat first or should we take the blood off? First? <laughs> you know, those things are easy when you actually live in the same household. <laughs> <laughs> some of the blood scenes are, are pretty, uh, or not, not the easiest to watch. <laughs> Thank you. Good. That's a huge compliment coming right. from, you know, a horror pro. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad that you approved. Yes. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? You guys are just the cutest, most charming music-making, filmmaking family ever. Um, but you're also huge talent. So can you tell us um, what we can expect from you next? We're big fans of your work. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we've started developing our next idea. It's we're actually for the first time going to be playing a family together. Um, and nice. it's going to be a, a timepiece taking place in the 1930s about a gangster family who does some not so good stuff. <laughs> And but then something really bad happens to the parents and the daughter is left to pick up the pieces and she kind of has to deal with some dark magic to fix their family situation. And yeah, it's going to be a mix of like Frankenstein, uh, gangster movie and vaudeville fun. So, yeah, right up my alley. Yeah. I know. <laughs> You have us a gangster, and then you have it. Yeah, right. I mean, come on, thirties gangster. I'm in. Yep. We were there for that. That's very exciting. Well, we're all looking forward to that. And uh, you said uh, that Zelda did the cinematography because there are some. There's some great uh, uh, shots and images in the movie. Well, we we do a lot of it together. I think it's a good mix of all of our visions, but cinematography is really my favorite part about movie making. Like it it just makes me so happy. And it was important to, for Zelda to have more motion in this. You know, after the deeper you dig, she was like, "Hey, you know, we we watch a lot of movies, you know, at home, but also when we go to the festivals." And Zelda's like, "You know, we need more motion. We need more aerial. We need more motion in our camera. So we got a gimbal." 
and we got a drone and all the drone shots are, are Zelda doing that because uh, she had to figure it all out. I was like, I don't know how to do that. And she did all that. And she worked the gimbal a lot too. Zelda's really fun to talk to about cinematography. Cause again, it's just like music. She has a youthful take on it. I think Toby and I share similar beliefs on what a shot should look like. And I think Zelda has her own ideas of what a shot should look like. And the drone shots made sense in the movie because sometimes I've seen movies where they have drone shots just to just to be cool, I think. But yeah. uh, but you know they made sense within the movie. Thank you. Well, it's going to be great. Oh, I'm sorry. No, please. I, no, I was going to say though, it's going to be great to brainstorm with things like that, where everybody's got such a unique take on things, and like oh, yeah. everybody's got a great perspective on it. It's really, really fun. Like our dinner conversations are just really exciting talking <laughs> about what we want to do tomorrow, filmmaking wise. And I think our conversations, if not that we're in a lot of restaurants these days, but even if we're out on, let's say, walking down the street, if what some people hear from us, especially when John's <laughs> on the phone with our special effects guy, it's like, hey, we want to kill grandma. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you hang her? But then after you hang her, she's not dead yet. And then someone tries to stab her. And then after they stab her, she's still not dead. And then they shoot her. And then we want her to like, set, off, set her on fire. Can you, what do you need from us? And we really need the back of her head to blast off. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like I, I'm sure the FBI or the CIA definitely has the four of us on a watch list. And every time, you know, it's just like, oh, my God. One day, we're going to need your help to get us out of jail. I'm just glad no one says, hey, I can help you with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> you're like, oh, you, you're in filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, they've got us beat, Neil, like, because if somebody was behind us at a restaurant, it would be you know, kind of like with the shirt ideas and stuff. Right, you know, like, like, hey, how about heads on like a barbecue? You know, <laughs> OK, yeah, I like that. Idea. <laughs> Well, actually, just yesterday, uh, my mom and me were in a convenience store and a guy and the guy was like, are you two? You, you must be with him. And she's like, yeah, how do you know? And she, he, she was like, or he was like, uh, what that horror? But well, he said monster shirt with that monster shirt. I figured you must be with Dracula. And <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some really cool shots. I made a bunch of notes. Um, I really liked as a shot of um, of Toby. And it's uh, like your silhouette. You, it's almost black and white with with a bunch of trees, and it's really stark contrast. And I think that's really a beautiful shot in the movie. Very cool. We we love that super starkness. We got to use you know high contrast a lot in the deeper you dig. This movie was a little harder to use high contrast and those kind of shots because actually because of all the foliage on the trees, most of the movie was shot like in spring or in summer. And um, we were out, that was shot out in the Northwest and there was Toby in those woods. And that's my favorite kind of cinematography, that really dark, heavy stuff with high contrast. And thanks for pointing that out. Maybe my favorite shot of the movie. Yeah, I loved it myself. Uh, what's the feedback been like? Uh, you know, I should mention play to Fantasia. Uh we're stunned at the beautiful reception, right? I mean, what can... Yeah, I mean, first of all, just getting in, being able to have a world premiere at Fantasia 
<clears throat> was like winning the lottery. And then also um, getting with uh, Yellow Veil Pictures, who took on the film, and then they got us, um, they got the deal with Shutter. We're going to be um, put out by Shutter in early yeah, 2022. And so now just with the premiere and the response we're getting from that and Shutter on the horizon, we're just kind of like pretty gobsmacked. And to to talk about Fantasia, um, you know, Mitch and his crew, Mitch Davis and his crew, we, they opened up a whole world to us that we will always be thankful for because you know, our art world and our regular world are just one and the same. So Mitch Davis and Fantasia changed our lives with um, The Deeper You Dig. By They opened a door to us and invited us into a room that we had never been in before. And now they've invited us back into that same room. And here we are talking with you and having a great time. And, you know, we're just incredibly thankful about their generosity to us. We're, we're tiny and we're super thankful. Um, in the chat here, Marsha Miller says, uh, Zelda is so blessed to have her, uh, to have such cool parents. You are a wonderful family. So talented. Oh, thank you. I, I'm so eternally grateful that John and Toby have, you know, brought me up in filmmaking and we're all just best friends. So life feels really good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you started to watch horror movies? I'm not going to yell. I mean, I was watching horror movies when I was five. Or now, you just want us to get in trouble. That's what's going on. Um, I remember, I think when I was in kindergarten, Toby showed me Carrie for the first time. And, you know, the first couple nights, I was like, I cannot sleep alone. Like, I'm. But after a while, I was like, wait, this is kind of fun. Like, I kind of like being scared like that. So thank you, Toby. I guess. <laughs> Maybe we're cool parents. I don't know if we're good parents. <laughs> they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? How do your innate skill sets complement each other while you're filmmaking? That's a great question. Um, I think Zelda is really amazing at, she's a really great visual storyteller. Like we were talking about with the cinematography, even just her photography, everyday stuff that she does. It's like, oh my God, there's so much you can tell a story with, um, with through a picture. And then um, I really love writing. For me, that's something that I I really enjoy trying to find how everything fits together, all the little pieces that someone might even have to watch the film two or three times to see those little things that might go unnoticed, but to me are really the glue um, for a storyline. And John is also, besides the stuff that he contributes musically and visually, he is really great at coming up with horror and action. You know, he'll be able to say, okay, we want to cut someone's off someone's head. Toby, <laughs> how can we build a story around it? Zelda, how can we make it look good? <laughs> or I want I want Toby to vomit blood into your face. <laughs> 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 Let's figure out a, a reason that we need to do that. <laughs> Very good. Hard to follow up on that one, but I like it. <laughs> So it's going to come to Shutter in 2022. That's very exciting. And did Fantasia. Is it, uh, do you have it scheduled for any other uh, festivals coming up? We do. It's going to be at Fantastic Fest in Austin oh. next for its American premiere. 
And that's going to be fun because it's actually in person and it'll be on a, in a, in a theater and we'll get to actually see people. And that's going to be pretty exciting because, you know, as we've talked about, this has been a COVID for all of us, but this has been a COVID creation and it will be nice to have a little company for once. Have you guys been there? I'm not. No. It is a blast. I mean, it's in the Alamo draft house. <laughs> so cool. I mean, for the deeper you dig in 2019, I just had so much fun there. And these guys didn't get to go to that one. So hopefully this time they will. But we're also going to Telluride Horror Show, which is a oh, wonderful I- festival. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> also great people. Really um, I would say charismatic audience. Like the audience is is so they're just horror pros and it's really fun. Yeah. Um the, that's a I think horror and comedy is always the best movies to watch with the crowd because the the interactions there. You can't like sit around and cry, you know, to get, <laughs> yeah, I guess right. but that's not a very exciting experience, I don't think. And it's fun for us as filmmakers because when you're sitting with an audience, you can feel the energy of a room and it helps you even if it's like even sometimes it can be painful because you might think you've done something cool, but you realize, oh, this is a belly flop and <laughs> let's not do that again. You know, <laughs> let's remember not to do that. And then sometimes you get caught off guard by something that the audience enjoys that you didn't realize they would enjoy. And so that's a positive learning experience. They're all positive learning experiences. Yeah. I've been to, um, not to the Austin one, but I've been to uh, festivals that's in, that are in the Alamo draft house. And that is a great experience because uh, you can get food and, and drinks delivered to you while you're watching the movie. Oh, that's always nice. And the trailers they show before the film start are so cool. I mean, those editors and the material they use, the vintage material, are, are just so much fun. Yeah. The, I went to one that was in Texas, but it wasn't that. It was um, South uh, South Texas Underground Film Festival. And that, that was good. It was very fun. Sounds fun. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, did Were you doing festivals before your movie runs? Did you ever go to them, you know, just to watch movies? Uh, we did regionally, yeah. Like here in the Casco Mountains of upstate New York where we live, we would go to some great regional ones like Big Eddie, um, Woodstock has great stuff. And uh, and But I think it was really once our films started getting to festivals that we kind of discovered them. And then, and, then, and then to realize all the people who go to them, you realize you're one of so many cinephiles, you know, which is really fun uh, company to keep. Yeah. People just love film. Are you near Hunter Mountain? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Actually, yeah, I've been there. We shot something over near Hunter Mountain. Um, the falls? Yeah, right. So, yes, it's beautiful over there. It's very, very majestic. So, yeah, Hunter's terrific. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, carving Frankenstein's monster in a stone in Hunter Mountain, and it's still, I haven't been back for six years, so he's still there. <laughs> I need to finish him at some point. Well, that's where Kevin Van Hattenrick is. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Someone brought up that it's ironic that I that I abandoned my Frankenstein monster because that's what happened, you know, to the actual monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope oh, you get back. You're to like Doctor Frank. Right, right. Now you bastard. Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I remember dark stories that he was telling us about the falls. That a lot of people—I should bring that up—but a lot of people fall off those falls, like every uh, every summer. 
no. Yeah, they're pretty. Uh, yes, they do, oh. because they're 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 serious over there. I was also bit by a spider in Hunter Man. <laughs> that was not a good time. <laughs> well, we can climb a wall afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I had I weird hallucinations. It was a weird Ooh. experience. Yeah, I, I hallucinated that I had a triangle for a triangle village on my forehead <laughs> on fire. <laughs> Annabelle, my friend, thought it was hilarious, and she laughed. That I, I think it's pretty funny too. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny too, and it was free. <laughs> That's very true. I used to pay ten Huge bucks for that. Were not free, exactly. Exactly. But we don't condone, <laughs> we don't condone such behavior here on the show. Yes, yeah, so neither do I. Right. No, we've been doing um, the decade of decapitation on the show, our favorite horror movies of uh, the 2010s. Do you have any favorite uh, horror movies of the last decade? Yes. Yeah, I think my most recent. <laughs> I didn't know what the, I didn't know want to know what they were. I just want to know if you had any. <laughs> <laughs> just a yes or no question. I really like Midsummer and Parasite. I know that they're pretty big movies, but those are my tops right now. I always come up with the same. I always think say some of the same answers. So I wanted to say something kind of different. Do you know what you want to say? Well, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, Seder. I liked it because it was super dark, foreboding, and slow in a beautifully horrific way. I remember seeing that movie. Um, just that came out what last year, maybe. Yeah, that's another Yellow Veil film. It's really cool. <clears throat> Someone who also does wears like every single hat. The guy who makes it. Um, okay. Oh, I know. I love. I love. Let the right one in. I love oh, Vampire yeah, Stories, and I absolutely adore that film. Yeah, that one's. You ever read the book? The book's really good too. No, I'm. Not, I keep telling myself I got to read that. That writer's work. Yeah. I saw the remake before I saw the, the 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 original, and I really liked it. But then after you see the original, it's like they really just basically made just made it in, in English, you know. Boy, I wouldn't mess with that movie. That that movie is, was a perfect delivery. Yep. That's like let's let's cover Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts. Club. <laughs> yeah, no, let's it. not. Let's not. That's <laughs> yeah. the poor BGs in Frampton about that. You know. <laughs> oh my God! Great call, right there. Right? <laughs> Look what that did to their career. Exactly. <laughs> uh, who did the effects in the movie? That's our wonderful brother and friend, Trey Lindsay. And he's been with us now since The Deeper You Dig. And what's beautiful about Trey, whenever you're doing art with anyone, you always want a positive attitude and you always want everyone to say yes, whether or not it works out or not. And Trey always says yes. And he's a hard, like, aficionado. So whenever we talk to him, he has such a library of knowledge about what's been done, about what can be done. He can reference movies from the 20s. And he's just a joy to work with. Usually he sends us back an effect that's completely blown really huge. And then we're always like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. That's amazing. But could you boil it down so it looks like we can afford it? (laughs) (laughs) And he's great at doing that. He's just wonderful to work with. And I have to say, like, the image of a hellbender, which since you guys have seen the movie, you'll know when when it goes full hellbender, that's his art. That's his vision and his invention. And I love it. Yeah, it looks great. Even honestly, just 
as soon as the movie opens, the opening scene like hooks me hooked me right away. I was looking forward to watching anyway because yeah. I really liked your last movie and I like you guys. But uh, the the opening scene I was like, oh wow, this is very exciting. Yeah. And that's that's Trey's beautiful art. I mean, you know what that was was we had filmed the hanging scene, which is the opening. Yes. And the actress who was in it was still covered in blood and like, you know, and so we were like, let me just grab some B-rolls of you just because you look so wonderful, really. And I shot above her with the camera and sent it to Trey and was like, hey, do you think you can do anything with us with this? And, you know, two days later comes the opening sequence that you're talking about. And we were just like, whoa, that is so fun. And that's he captured what we wanted to do with this movie. It was to have fun. Like we're hoping the audience when they're done, look at each other or if they're alone, think to themselves, well, that was fun. Yeah. Cause it's also very dark and, and bleak at times, but it is, it is a fun experience at the same time. That's is, what we're hoping. Hard to do it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, did you have another question? Any big lessons that you guys learned from making this film? That's always a great question. I know we always learn something and, and try to evolve between each of our films. Um, I think if there's anything I learned, it is, does anyone else know? Cause I don't know. Well, I know one very important <laughs> lesson that is gonna cost us 2000 bucks is a vomited blood and a 5D camera do not mix well. Mm. <laughs> so there's one very, there's one lesson because we destroyed our camera in that scene. But um, it, was worth it. it was worth the shot. It was so worth the shot. Creatively, that is a really great question. You know, we're learning right now. Well, go ahead. It looks yeah. like you got something. I mean, it's something that, we always want to work at is finding the pacing, the right pacing for our films. And in some of the um, reviews that we've gotten so far, one thing some of them share is, in saying is that they thought the pacing faltered a little in the, in the middle of the film. And so that's something that I think we always, always are trying to um, learn how to do better. Yeah. With the deeper you dig, what we learned from doing the festivals and from press was that people wanted to see more character development. And so we applied that to Hellbender. We really developed the mother and the daughter relationship as much as we could. And I think we felt as movie makers that the deeper you dig super heavy and dark. And we did want to inject some fun into our next one. So the stakes are higher. If you're having fun and you really kind of love the characters and you feel like, oh, I like these people, well, the stakes suddenly become a lot bigger if they're going to get destroyed. Um, so your question is so good because I think we're in the process of, of learning now, you know, by having interviews with you, by reading press, by going to the festivals about, okay, what did we do well and what did we not succeed at? Um. Along the kind of along those lines, um, so you said, you know, like at festivals, it's cinephiles. Do you find that an audience at, at a festival takes to a movie, has a different opinion on a movie than like uh, at the shutter audience or, or, you know, audiences that don't go to festivals? I don't know if it's, you know, if you could ever please everybody, but. Yeah, you can't please everybody. I think the Shutter audience is very much a festival audience. That's, that's that. why we're very happy to be on Shutter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like when we look at, um, if I look on uh, comments of Shutter for The Deeper You Dig, 
I realized, oh, a lot of these people really, they're the kind of audience we were seeking for a film. They're, they're not just looking at it one dimensionally, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes though people go into our movie thinking it's going to be like, a slasher or something like that. And that's not what it is. And then they'll be like, this movie was stupid. Waste of two hours. And it's like, okay. That, <laughs> ow. Yeah. That's, that's both the good thing and the bad thing. I think about <laughs> horror movies. I like that. There's all different kinds. Cause I'll like a really silly movie like basket case or something, but I like something, you know, thought provoking or I like some slashers. I like all different kinds, depending what mood I'm in, but there are some people who only want one certain kind of horror movie. So <laughs> You just said one of my favorite movies. Like, I, I always say Basket Case. Oh, I love Basket Case. And, but yeah, you had yeah. asked for the decades, so that's really what I had spent for the past decade. I love Basket Case. And interestingly enough, when I mentioned carving the uh, the uh, the stone, my teacher is Kevin Van Hentenrick, who is the star of Basket Case. Oh, my God. That's yeah, so Kevin cool. Van Hentenrick. Yeah, he, lives in, uh, uh, he lives in Hunter. And um, every summer, which I don't know if they're doing this year, but every summer he does a free week of... Uh, stone carving uh, lessons and so oh, we wow. had him on the show and found that out and went out and i uh, learned how to the ancient art of stone carving and i think you, the only thing you have to bring is what like a respirator or yeah just a mask and a goggles mask or something and they right. have all the tools yeah. Yeah. that's really cool i love one of the things i love about basket case is how well it captures uh new, new york, york at that time oh yeah without I, I love, a doubt. yeah i love 70s and 80s new york movies um <laughs> All different levels, like Taxi Driver, Basket Case, Chud. Uh, <laughs> something about that gritty New York feel. and uh, Yeah, which, or know, like the Upper West Side, like, you know, kind of mahogany, like elegance yeah. of Mary's Baby. Yeah, that's another great one. Uh, yeah. I uh, I was going to, I forgot what I was going to say, something about Rosemary's Baby, but I forget. But the, it's one of my favorite movies. Well, you know, again, though, the, I, what I was going to say, though, uh, the difference, uh, like I like a ba I like Basket Case and Rosemary's Baby almost on the same level, but they're completely different movies. I can't really say Basket Case is as good as Rosemary's Baby, but I enjoy them both about the, equally. That This refers to kind of what you had just said as a response to what Zelda just said, which is also maybe more of an answer to a question that was asked before, which is, I think as people who love making horror movies and love watching horror movies is we would like to, you know, add some slasher and some body horror and some folk horror. Not that we're trying to like cover all the bases, but they're all super interesting. Do you know what I mean? And they're all super fun. So ultimately like we just, we don't want to just make like, Oh, let's just make intellectual horror for a certain crowd. Like, and that's something that we set out with in Hellbender was like, we wanted to have some good blood and gore. And it's, and like, so we're super thankful when opening up today's podcast, you say, Hey, that was some great blood because we set out hoping to have some great blood, mm -hmm. you know, and we want to kind of like, uh, combine different types of horror as long as it's fun and it's organic right right don't force it in there but right, yeah if it, if it flows with it then then go for it exactly and so we're excited to try to do that with our next movie which is to have you know a little of that i mean you know that drama we want we're we're very interested in body horror and how to capture really good gruesome body horror like that's going to be really difficult because you cannot do well i don't know but i don't think you can do great body horror 
digitally. I think we're really going to have to film it. So that's going to be an exciting thing for us. By the way, I believe Bel- I just uh, thought about this. I believe Belial is on my hat. Yes, he's over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Belial no, popped into my head. Cameo. It's <laughs> also a great segue because that is real. That's not a digital effect. They made yeah. that monster and they filmed it, and it's wonderful, and it's still oh, wonderful. Forty years, or what is it? Fifty years later, it's still wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What do you have? Some favorite body horror movies? Well, we we loved Raw. I mean, um, Zelda and I went. We were in New York City, and we were like, "Hey, we got some time to kill. Let's just go into these art houses." It's my favorite thing to do is go into one of the small little art houses, and whatever is playing next, I would see. And Zelda was with these us me this day, and we're like, "Let's go see it." We don't know what this movie Raw is. It's in French. Let's go in. And we were blown away. One of my favorite movies. And actually, it, it inspired one of the scenes in Hellbender, the one where I'm chowing down. <laughs> On a finger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember the scenes. Um, I think my favorite body horror is, uh, it's not a horror movie, but it's fantastic body horror, is a movie called Proposition, written by Nick Cave. Did Have you guys seen that? I don't think I've seen that. So it has some exceptionally gruesome violence in it. That's oh. it's done very, very well. Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, we'll check that out. Uh, kind of what you're saying, though, about going into a movie not knowing anything about it, that is why I like a, a, a big thing about festivals is most of the time you don't know too much about the movie, and you can just, you'll just sit there, especially if you're there in person, and they'll just you know play one after each other, and whatever they are, you're going to be watching. And if you don't know about a movie, I think it's the best way to uh, to enjoy it. I oh, am. Yeah. Especially now when trailers show you 90% oh, yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the dangerous thing about a trailer, and we've been talking about this as we had our trailer made, is you don't want to missell it. Mm-hmm. Because if you have like an intellectual or I don't know, you you have to be careful about how you sell your movie in a trailer because if everyone thinks it's a slasher, for example, and they go like, oh, I can't wait, it's going to be a great <laughs> slasher. And then it's this thoughtful drama piece. It's, you know, they hate it and you yep. can't blame them. And you also people the people angry right away. Yeah, exactly. And the people that, that might have enjoyed it probably aren't going to go see it because of the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we were lucky. We had that conversation with the with Yellow Veil and about making our trailer and the trailer that we got, though it's not released yet, we think really is honest about what the movie is. And that was very important to us. That's a really good point, which I've seen lots of times you go doing the show, uh, especially from festivals. I'll see a movie at a festival and I'll really like it. And then when it does get released by, you know, whoever, uh, like you said, they'll misrepresent it. They'll put it out as like a monster movie or something. And I'm like, well, there is a monster in it, but it's like, a, like you said, a slow, thoughtful movie. And so I think the, the audience that wants to see, that would like it, aren't going to watch it. And then the audience that like it from the picture or the trailer, they're not going to like the movie. So you're turning off both audiences and not really helping. The same thing can happen with posters. Um, it, yeah. it didn't happen with us, thankfully, but we've had friends who, uh, have you know the, they'll get their movie bought and then the company that bought it will put out a new poster and I feel bad because um, and they and they know it too it, it it totally misrepresents what it is and it's it can be difficult 
Yeah, that always makes me sad because I'll see a lot of really cool original posters with like they'll be like hand painted or something. And yeah. I was just like, these are great. And then uh when they, they're released, it'll be very like typical poster, a lot of blue and orange, uh you know, <laughs> just a real there. generic thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of skulls on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is cool and all. I mean, I've got skulls in my shirt. Hey, skulls are great, but you know your movie's got to be filled with skulls. If you're right, right, there's no skulls. Yeah, it's like false advertising. There, where's all the skulls? Screw this movie. Uh, uh, Do you guys have social media for you? Oh, I know you do, but do you have uh, a a particular one that you would like people to follow? Yeah, we're on Instagram at Adams underscore Family underscore Films. That's where we post the most. Um, is it is it Adams, Adams dot, dot? I think oh, it's Adams.family.films. Adams.family.films. I just corrected a teenager on I social know, media, which makes me pretty cool. <laughs> uh, our website is wonderwheelproductions.com. And you can kind of access all of our films and know where what platforms they're on there as well. And you can see music videos there and access Spotify which has Hellbender, the band, but with sixes for E's. Oh, okay. Was there a reason? I'm uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 please. I just, was there a reason you didn't go with the sixes in the movie just because maybe it would be harder to find? That's a great question, and there is a reason, and it's because when you type in Hellbender, you have to change the keyboard thing to get the sixes. Right. And, you know, people early on we're like oh i love that but it's hard to search because if you're on your phone you have to type h and then you have to go to a different keyboard get the six then go back to a keyboard so i know that sounds really silly but that makes I, um, I i remember when when red box was real popular they did it alphabetically so people would they would try to tell them to put like a in front of the name and and so i was telling people just put out a horror movie called aardvark because then you have two a's <laughs> But we kept our band as Hellbender with the Sixes, which is cool because it, it's separated from the yeah. movie and they are two different entities, so they don't kind of cross, but it's obvious that they do cross. Very cool. Uh, was it all your music in the movie? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm very interested because I really liked it in the movie, so I'm interested in checking it out. Well, cool. Um, on uh, Spotify and all those, what there is is we're waiting to release a bunch of the music that's actually in the uh, movie because with the, with the shutter deal, there's some timing kind of issues about that kind of thing. But up there right now are a lot of the songs that didn't make the movie that were written for the movie. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? I'm always interested in what scares horror creators. So do you guys have any fears or phobias you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, my God. That's such a great question. Yeah. I was actually just talking about this with Toby. Home invasion is one of, like, the creepiest things to think about. It's I've always had nightmares about it. And I just recently watched the movie uh, The Strangers, which is about, like, a home invasion. And that got me spooked. <laughs> I'm terrified about something happening to my kids, which is sort of like the deeper you dig kind of explored that nightmare. So my, my fear, the thing that's hard for me is losing my mind, which I'm always close to losing. 
<laughs> so it's like, and that's what's fun is the next movie, we're exploring the things that actually, well, except not yours. Yeah. Toby and the Toby and I's biggest fears. So that's going to be fun. Interesting that exploring your fears is going to be fun. But. Well, you know, like when I have a nightmare, like one Toby always wakes me up from my nightmares, thankfully. And I have them like think every night, but always in my nightmares, I'm always trying to get that darkness that I can't see what it is. And I'm always, I always am trying to get it. Like I was told early on when you have a nightmare, don't run away from it, run to it. And I'm not sure that was great advice, but I'm still following it. <laughs> and, and I'm always waking up like, <laughs> so actually, yeah, don't do that. I like that you give advice and then take it away. But yeah. I'm afraid of uh, alligators. I think if I were going to something physical, like alligators kind of scare the crap out of me. Keep How about you guys? What are you afraid of? Hmm. Trista, what are you afraid of? We'll go to Trista. I have a fear of going blind. Mm. Um, because my my dad's had uh, multiple eye surgeries, and um, my aunt is going blind at a at a rather young age. So that's a fear oh. of mine. Oh gosh, yeah. That's scary. Have you seen Don't Breathe and Don't Breathe Too? Oh, I haven't seen the second, but that's one of my favorite horror films. Absolutely. I love that one. I'm sure if that's your fear, that's right down the old scary hallway. Although I, I similarly, I'm interested in uh, playing a blind person um, because, you, you know, I almost uh, feel bad saying I'm afraid of it because I'm sure there are blind people that are super comfortable and it's just a completely different culture and way of life. And I think if I learned more about it, I probably wouldn't be so scared. Right. That makes sense. Troy, what about you? Do you have a fear? I think mine would be kind of the, the losing the mind thing too, you know, just like the memory goes, everything just goes, you know, and you don't realize it. I think that's one of those things that's always kind of been with me. It's a terrifying thought because if you yeah. lose your mind, what you're trying to explain to people, they can never understand because you've lost your mind, you know, and that's what's yep. really scary about it is you're now living in a world that no one's attached to. So you're untethered to reality. Interesting. Uh, by the way, I want to mention uh, about Zelda mentioned strangers. Um, I always think that what's so scary about that movie is the ending where the, there's really no reason why they're doing it. That's the scariest part. Yeah. Isn't one of the, well, I won't give anything away. Yeah. yeah. Not to spoil strangers. <laughs> nah. Well, they've had a few years to watch it. Yeah, so anybody. Yeah, right, right. Right. But, but fair enough. Fair enough. Who wants, but uh, just a side note, they made a, a documentary about, the main guy in Strangers. It's a really good documentary. They played it at a festival. Was at. I don't know if it was ever released, but it played festivals anyway. It was, it was really check good. check it out. Yeah. All right. So uh, this was very fun. And Thank you so much yeah. for having us. Like, this was such a fun conversation. Wow. Oh, yeah. We should do it again sometime. Yeah, you yeah, guys are yeah. to come back. This is a good time. Yes, please. Oh, you guys are great. Get that movie made so you can bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yep we'll just rap about anything that's yeah we good. could have other reasons i'm sorry did i cut you off 
Oh, no, I just said we're big fans of yours. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're big fans of yours, and thank you so much for having us today. Hey, really thank cool. you. Next time, we should interview you. Yes. <laughs> I'm not that interesting, but. Yeah, we're pretty dull. Well, maybe you'd have to talk to Trista. Neil and I are kind of dull. <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> we know we I was saying earlier to Trista that I, I loved her in, in Echoes of Fear. And so, oh, yeah. Trista is, so good. Is, is wonderful. I could tell that it would be fun to know what goes on behind your amazing eyes and um, oh, know, whole thing you got going you. on. Nice. <laughs> Well, that's just the loveliest ever. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thanks, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Yeah. Congratulations on the movie and Shutter and Fantasia and everything and all the other companies. Yeah, that's stuff. awesome. Oh, and keep up the good work. Yes. Well, and I'm going to go check out Hellbender right after the show. <laughs> right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming